Faye, I'm so excited. I'm heading to Seattle for maternal fetal medicine. It's going to be great, but I got to remember the OBG project in my back pocket. Definitely. I think one thing that's going to be really helpful for us in terms of learning how to ultrasound is going to be their second trimester ultrasound atlas. You can use that second trimester ultrasound atlas to supplement your learning by looking at normal pictures. And then when you put that probe to the belly, you're going to see exactly what you're supposed to see. And you know that you've got the right picture because the OBG project's already got it outlined for you. The second trimester ultrasound atlas is part of their subscription process called OBG First, which if you're a chief resident, you can get free for one whole year. OBG First, in addition to the atlas, gives you a lot of other cool features such as a library to bookmark your favorite summaries from the OBG project, as well as summaries sent to your phone every single day of the latest guidelines and evidence-based medicine. If you're interested, go ahead and go on our website, www.creogsovercoffee.com to check it out. All right, guys, welcome back. This is Faye. This is Nick. And this is Creogs Over, Over Coffee. So today we're going to head back into obstetrics lands, but actually look at the fetal side and we're going to talk fetal circulation. Our objectives for today are number one, to describe fetal circulation in utero, and number two, to talk about changes in fetal circulation that'll occur after delivery or should occur after delivery. Faye, this is really challenging. Yeah, absolutely. I think fetal circulation is probably one of the most challenging things in utero, but it's also a very important creog topic. So we're going to kind of start and talk about fetal circulation in general. Nick, let's kind of start with some of the very basics, which is blood flow. Absolutely. So remember in blood flow physiology, veins carry blood towards the heart and arteries carry blood away from the heart. That doesn't change in fetal circulation, but now you're using the fetal heart as your reference point. Arteries away is the silly mnemonic that I use to try and remember this. So that way they kind of those A's stick together. The arteries always carry blood away from the heart. The common mix up here is that you think arteries are oxygenated and veins are deoxygenated. In fetal circulation, that's actually kind of the opposite. Um, and so thinking that way, the reds and the blues is going to mess you up with fetal circulation. So remember again, arteries away, and that'll keep you straight. Faye, let's start out kind of looking at circulation then. Let's say we're a red blood cell and we're at the placenta. Where yes. do we go from there? So let's start then with the umbilical vein, because if you're at the placenta and you're going towards the fetal heart, you're going to be starting at the umbilical vein, carrying oxygenated blood from the placenta and there is a single large umbilical vein with normal umbilical cords. The umbilical vein enters at the umbilicus, then it moves superiorly towards the liver, where it ultimately needs to meet the inferior vena cava. However, the umbilical vein naturally empties into the portal hepatic vein first. So this is where we actually encounter our very first fetal shunt, the ductus venosus. And this allows oxygenated blood from the umbilical artery to connect to the inferior vena cava, bypassing the portal vein and the liver. The ductus venosus closes functionally in term infants within minutes of birth and then fully closes within one week of birth. In preterm infants, this can take a little longer and the remnant structure is known as the ligamentum venosum. Now that we've gotten our oxygenated blood to the IVC, we get it to the right atrium of the heart and the blood is going to go to the right ventricle 
However, that actually pushes oxygenated blood into the fetal lungs, which isn't really working and really doesn't need all of that oxygen. So there's a very, very high resistance um, in this area. And it's a very hard place to pump blood into as the alveoli really aren't well developed or in later gestational infants really not yet open with air. Rather than taking this long trip to the lungs, which aren't really working anyway, we then get to our second shunt, which is the foramen ovale, which is between the right and the left atria. The relatively high pressure in the right atrium is going to push the blood across the shunt to the left atrium. And then at birth, within the first few breaths, the lungs open up, that resistance to the pulmonary circulation is going to drastically drop. And so then the foramen ovale is going to close and the blood flow that goes from the right to the left atrium is then going to actually be shunted to the lungs. So when the foramen ovale closes, the septum secundum, which is some tissue in the right atrium where the foramen ovale is located, is effectively a one-way valve from the right to the left. In up to about 25% of adults, this one-way valve isn't completely effective, leading to what's called a patent foramen ovale. Okay, so Nick, now we have blood that's in the left heart. Let's talk about where it's supposed to go at this point. Okay, so great. Again, we passed across that foramen ovale from the right atria to the left atria. Theoretically, now it can go down the left ventricle, get into the aorta, and now supply the fetal brain and the other tissues. However, there was some of that blood that, at least in theory, isn't going to get across the foramen ovale. Some of it is going to end up heading on that long-distance trip in the high-resistance lungs, giving them some oxygen because they need it. So they go from the pulmonary artery into the lungs, back in the pulmonary vein. But again, the lungs don't need all that much oxygen right now, and they don't need all that much nutrition. And so there's oxygenated blood at least coming back through, and it kind of is a waste of all of that blood to just go back into the right atrium and kind of repeat that same cycle all over again. So this is where we encounter our third shunt, the ductus arteriosus. This connects the pulmonary artery to the descending aorta and allows for all of that oxygenated blood to bypass the right heart or lung circulation and get to the descending aorta and the lower parts of the fetal body. After birth, this typically closes and becomes something known as the ligamentum arteriosum. So in some individuals, the ductus arteriosus remains open, and that leads to a patent ductus arteriosus. So now with this pressure change after birth, where the systemic circulation becomes the relatively higher pressure circulation, oxygenated blood will lead the aorta and overloads the pulmonary artery. That's going to lead to pulmonary hypertension and potentially right heart failure, because now it's having to pump against a much higher resistance. In patent ductus arteriosus and rarely in patent foramen ovale, but truly rather than both of these conditions, more commonly with ventricular septums, pulmonary hypertension becomes so great over time as to change that pressure differential yet again. So now we had, again, in the fetal circulation, right heart pressure greater than left. After birth with those first breaths, left heart circulation becomes greater than right heart circulation in terms of pressure. But when there's a hole that allows left-sided blood to go to right-sided blood, eventually that right-sided pressure will build up, and that shunt could reverse again, going from right to left. This is known as the Eisenmenger syndrome, which you may remember from medical school as the kind of cyanotic heart lesions that now are pushing deoxygenated blood to the circulation, which is not a good thing. We'll spend more time on ventricular septums, 
know things like Tetralogy of Fallot and Eisenmenger Syndrome in another episode. We won't focus on that today. We'll just focus on the basics and come to that again later. All right, so Faye, we've gotten all the blood to the left heart at this point. We went across the Framino Valley. We went across the PDA. We're getting everything perfused. But eventually, all this blood has got to go back to the placenta. We've gotten the blood to the left heart. Then it's going to move through the arteries to supply organs and tissues and basically end up back in the veins again. So coming from superiorly, the blood is going to first go into the superior vena cava and end up right back in the right atrium. From here, it's the same cycle all over again. Some will go through the foramen ovale, some will go to the right ventricle and pass through the ductus arteriosus. For the blood that goes inferiorly, meaning going through that descending aorta ductus arteriosus, the umbilical arteries will carry blood back toward the placenta for reoxygenation and deposition of CO2 and waste products. The umbilical arteries originate off of the internal iliac arteries bilaterally. After birth, they become obliterated and are known as the medial umbilical ligaments. These can be seen during laparoscopic surgery and are good markers for the position of the superior vesicle arteries. More on that, of course, in future episodes on pelvic anatomy. So Nick, that was really tough. I definitely have not reviewed any of those things since medical school. So we are going to be putting a diagram on our website to show the circulation because I understand that it is difficult to listen to it in podcast form. Absolutely. So imagine yourself, though, again, as that little red blood cell that's trying to travel through and find those three shunts again, because those are the things that oftentimes you're asking about. Faye, I guess let's try to summarize this fetal circulation one more time, see if we can't run through it really quick. Yes, sounds good. Once again, we want to remind you that arteries and veins talk about which way the blood is flowing to and from the fetal heart. So in this case, Arteries are going to flow away from the fetal heart and veins are going to flow towards the fetal heart. And this is a little bit different than an adult human physiology because the umbilical vein is going to be what's carrying that oxygenated blood while the arteries are going to be what's carrying deoxygenated blood. If we start at the placenta and start in the umbilical vein, again, where that oxygenated blood is going to go, we're going to end up from the umbilical vein going into the portal vein of the liver. At that point, we need to get blood to the inferior vena cava to get it to the heart. So that's where we encounter our first shunt, which is the ductus venosus that connects the umbilical vein to the IVC. Once you're at the IVC, the blood is going to go to the right atrium and then the right ventricle, which is then going to pump it to the pulmonary artery. But remember that in this case, the lungs uh, as a fetus are a very, very high resistance pathway. And so this is where we're going to counter our second shunt, which is that patent foramen ovale, which will shunt the blood from the right side to the left side of the heart. This is then going to allow the left ventricle to pump that blood into the other structures of the fetal body. Some blood will still escape and head into the right heart circulation from the right atrium to the right ventricle. In this case, we encounter a third shunt, the ductus arteriosus, that takes some of that blood from the pulmonary artery before it gets to the lungs and shunts it to the descending aorta to supply oxygen to the inferior structures of the body. The descending aorta is then going to go and branch out into those internal iliac arteries as well as the rest of the body. And finally, the umbilical arteries, which come off of the internal iliac arteries, is going to bring that deoxygenated blood back to the placenta, where it's going to get reoxygenated once again. All right. So again, check out the website for some diagrams and schematics on how to make this easier to understand. But follow along and imagine yourself as the little red blood cell that could. Once again, I'm Nick. This is Faye. And this is Kriag's Over Coffee.
If you like this podcast, go ahead and go on to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or any of your other podcatchers and give us a five-star rating and review. Follow us online on Twitter at CreogsOverCoffee one on Facebook at CreogsOverCoffee, on Instagram at CreogsOverCoffee, or if you want to give us some love and sponsor us every month, head on over to our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash CreogsOverCoffee. You can also follow us on our website where we'll be having some adjunct materials, including a diagram for the flow of the fetal circulation, www.creogsovercoffee.com. If you have a way to remember this easily, or if you've got some other ideas for future shows, send us an email at creogsovercoffee at gmail.com. Also, if you want to learn how to make your very own medical podcast, come and join Nick and I at APCO Faculty Development Seminar in January in Bonita Springs in Florida, where we'll be teaching you how to make your own podcast, and that's also where your sponsorship money from Patreon is going to go. 